Okay, good. We're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6 today. We're going to look at three groups of Scripture in this chapter uh, that deal with helping us make priorities in life. We're, we're in a series, Letters to Leaders, talking about leadership and how leadership uh, normally when we talk about leadership in church, it's related to elders and deacons and those types of positions. And while all the characteristics are true of them, they also apply to each of us as believers. Amen? If you're a, a, a boss or a father or a mother or a friend, uh, you know, someone that you're helping someone else, you're a leader of that person. These, All these qualities help us. Priorities are important. Uh, I, I ran across this story that just captured my, my humor, but it's, it, it makes a point. Uh, a group of friends went deer hunting and paired off in twos for the day. Uh, that night, one of the hunters returned alone, staggered under, staggering under an eight-point buck. Now, Jeff, is an eight-point buck a... That's a big deal. Okay. I gathered that from the story. Where's Harry? He was asked, well, Harry had a stroke of some kind, and he's a couple miles back up the trail. So you left Harry laying there and carried the deer. Well, said that this hunter friend, I figured that no one was going to steal Harry. Priorities. Priorities. Have you ever had a leader who forgot you were with them and took off without you. Well, sometimes that happens. But one of the things that we have to always do is keep in mind who we're leading and what it takes to be that leader that doesn't leave them behind. In this chapter of 1 Timothy, Paul mentions the word godless or godly ten times. It's a top priority for him. In spiritual growth and development, for Paul, priority is important. So I would want to ask you a question. What are some spiritual priorities that you have? Is prayer a priority for you? Well, yes, preacher, I pray. Okay, I got you. But I mean just beyond... Just saying the prayer. Is, is really prayer part of your spiritual daily discipline? And is it a priority? How about Bible reading? Well, I try to get to it, boy, every day. I try to get to I, I understand. I understand the demands of time. I understand all of that. But once again, is it a priority? Has it become a priority for you? The first thing, your feet hit the floor, boom, I'm in the Word of God, or boom, I'm there very quickly. Do I have a designated time? Do I have a time set aside to spend with God in meditation and in, 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 in gaining from His Word? Do I get it? Do I have it? What about the priority of sharing Christ with other people? I don't know what to say. I don't always know what the answer is. I don't have. I understand that. I, tr- I truly, truly understand that. But are you working toward being able to 
or is it are you, are you just at a point where I I'm just going to I'm going to get in I'm going to get into bed this this far and that's as far as I'm going to get. It's warmer if I get on into the bed, but I'm going to stay on the edge of the bed because it's 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 easier to get there and I don't have to go deep. I don't have to be more committed. So I'll stay on the edge of the bed so I'll just stay covered up. I might be a little cold, but I'll be okay over here. That's the way we are with Christianity. We'll get just in enough just to be warm enough to think that we're okay enough, but it's not enough. We've got to go deeper, don't we? We've got to get warmer, don't we? We've got to get in there so that when the troubled waters come, we can ride the wave. We don't have to be afraid. There's nothing worse than being afraid. Because fear is Satan's greatest tool. True? It's his greatest tool. What's the greatest fear that you that he has over us? It's death. Why is death so so much in his toolbox? It's because it's the only thing he has to work with. Fear is all he's got. And yet Jesus said, "If you believe in me, perfect love will cast out fear." He don't need to be afraid. Look where you were. Look where you are, and look how He got you to where you are. Man, that makes it a lot better, doesn't it? That makes the whole situation look a lot different, doesn't it? In in our text today, I want to give you three things to take away that I hope will help you. As you grow and strive in godliness. Number one, in verses 3 through 5, don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you hear. Let's read these together. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he's proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed. Would you underline or highlight that word? Obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, rivaling, evil, suspicions, <laughs> useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself, Paul tells Timothy. If anyone teaches otherwise, and I love, but I want to focus in on this being obsessed with disputes and arguments. So often people get so frustrated in life with stuff that really doesn't matter. But but right now, right then, that is the most paramount. Whoa. And yet, we don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. There's the truth. And then there's my opinion. And so often, people's opinions, our opinions, will supersede truth, won't they? <laughs> in our mind. But not in Scripture. Here's the truth. 
Here. Just follow it. See? It says it. You don't have to. Nobody really has to tell you what it says. If you're open and honest and want to listen, He'll tell you. He'll, he'll speak right into your heart. It says He will. does it all the time. Jesus told us in, in Matthew 6 that we're to seek first His kingdom. Now, that's tough. When you're, in, when you're in a pressure position, when you're in a, either a health situation, a financial or a relationship or a marriage or whatever it is, whatever that blank is for you, when you're in that pressure spot, when you seek God first, normally, what happens? It calms, doesn't it? But if we stay focused on the problem, the problem grows. Let's let our God be bigger than our problem because our problems are small compared to the God who can, who can handle them and, and take care of it. I was talking to a gentleman just today, just this morning, earlier. They talked about, I'm not afraid. To, I'm, the Holy Spirit can stop a bullet. If, it, if somebody shot me, shot at me while I was preaching the gospel, the Holy Spirit could stop that bullet. And I believe that in a heartbeat. But I also believe that if the bullet didn't stop, I still win. And that was the other uh, part of the conversation is that it didn't matter because you're a win-win. I win whether I stay. I win whether I go. Why? Because I've got Jesus. So it doesn't really matter the situation, does it? Don't obsess. And he talked about priorities in all of chapter 6 of Matthew. He wants us to apply that teaching to our life. In the book of Ephesians, there are those who were leading people astray by falsehood. They were telling them that, well, you, you can be a believer if. It's really true if. Well, there's no if to it. The only if is if Jesus is in your heart. If you've accepted Him as your Savior, that's all you got. It's all you need. But they were saying, you've got to obey certain rules. You've got to eat a certain way. You've got to believe certain things. You've got to marry in this particular way. False teaching. Don't fall prey to it. Oprah made a profound statement this week. Powerful statement. I, she just got to the edge of giving you the whole truth and stopped if she had just stepped one more step. She said, nothing's going to be changed without a spiritual renewal. Problem is, what are you going to renew it by? What's the standard? She didn't hold this up. This is the standard. He's the standard. If you don't change for Him, what good is the change? It won't last. It won't last. Oh, she was so close. I was praying, step over the edge, Oprah, but she wouldn't. But if she ever did, can you, can you, can you think of the millions of people who would be impacted by one statement that one person could make. Wow. You see how powerful the Word is? 
You see how powerful our God is? He can handle whatever it is you're facing. He can handle whatever it is that you might be up against. He can handle it. He can handle it. If it's finances, pray for him to sell half a cow. Whatever. Because he says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So having sell half a cow, God, we're ready. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but God knows. What motivates you and what drives you and what priorities cause you to get up day in and day out to serve the Lord? Don't let minor disputes and arguments over words stop you. Well, my, I, this is what I think we should have done. How many times have you run into this in your life? I think this is what we should have done. Well, I, I don't see it that way. Well, then I can't be your friend anymore. Cut the relationship off. For what? A disagreement? Sad, isn't it? But... It happens all the time. You see it in churches. You see it in homes. You see it in, in, in relationships, in jobs. You see them all over the place. Sad. But I was struck by the word obsessed this week. Don't obsess about it. What does it mean to be obsessed? Never let it go. Never let it go. I'm always right. Everybody's wrong. I'm just saying crazy it's crazy and people do that and they do it around the word of God and it should never happen these people were being driven by friction and by factions that's no way to exist I love when I come to church on Sundays and it, it takes it takes so long to get you guys just to calm down to sing again because <laughs> you, you haven't seen each other in a whole week Oh, you got to hug each other. You got to talk to each other. You got to love on each other. And you, oh, I just love it. It's so refreshing to watch. Amen. And be a part of. But your life on Jesus and and your instructions on how to live for Jesus ought to be based on sound doctrine. It ought to be based on the fact that you know the Word of God. Develop an ear to hear. In the parable of the sower and the seed, three-fourths of the world, three-fourths of the world isn't even listening to God. Seventy-five percent are missing the message of God. Many are being led astray by false teaching. It's not going to be okay that you were just a good person. You have got to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ or you will go to hell. Period. Folks, wake up. Wake up. Don't go to sleep. Don't stay asleep. Wake up. Listen. Let's move on. Understand what's really important in life. Look at verse, pick up verse 6. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And have, having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. 
For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their good greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Let me focus there in verse 6. Godliness with contentment. The problem with contentment is I don't want to progress. Contentment doesn't mean not progressing. Contentment means I'm okay where I'm at. Remember when those who've gone before us already, I think of Geneva often, uh, how she could quote Scripture and it seemed as though her prayer life was, she was just so connected to God. Well, there's a reason she practiced it. She worked at it. Every day she worked at it. So it's no wonder that it doesn't, it didn't develop the way it did because she worked at it. So are we working hard like that? So people notice that our growth, that our walk is improving. Is our godliness being demonstrated? Are we handling road rage like we've never before? Are we handling anger points better than we did? Do we fly off the handle when we used to not to? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do we have anything more content than we used to be? Or are we still just the same old, same old because we're right on the edge and we don't want to go deep? Let's Let's crawl deep in that bed where it's warmer. Let's just stay on the edge. Get sidetracked by worldly stuff. Oh, we've got a casino just really close to us. <laughs> and every day, every day at that casino, they are giving away at least a million dollars a day. Do you know that? They are. They're giving away at least a million dollars a day from their bank to their bank. <laughs> I haven't seen anyone promoted on their big fancy billboards anywhere every time I drive by. Hey, 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 hey. These 29 people just won a million dollars last week. I didn't see anybody get one a day. I haven't seen one a year. I haven't seen one in 20 years. Why do we have a mega million jackpot thing all over the country? It's because people are waiting to do what this verse says don't do. Oh, but preacher, we're going to give our our tithes to the church when we win. Amen. The only problem is, is if you're not in the habit of doing that now before you win the big bucks, you're probably not going to do it when you get the big bucks. Amen. Contentment. I need to be where God wants me to be. And and while I'm there, I'm just going to serve Him wholeheartedly, 100%. Open it up. Here we come. Moms know how to do that. Moms learned to do that a long time ago. They become pregnant, they, they deliver a child, and then they nurture that child, and they never quit being a mom to that child. They will never stop being a mom. I don't care how old they get. They're never not going to stop being mom. And they're always going to have an opinion. Amen? That's right. They're going to. That's called contentment. They're content to be who they are. You got it. 
But we've got to grow. We've got to learn. We don't have to strive after all the material stuff. Sometimes we work so hard that we miss the whole blessing. Miss the whole blessing. A Japanese missionary was asked, What's the prominent religion in Japan? He said, Same as in America materialism. <laughs> it's true. Everybody's striving for something greater and bigger and more expensive. Have you ever noticed? I read this and I thought, I don't think I've ever checked this. And next time I'm going to check. But suits that are purchased through a funeral home for a funeral, not one that you would bring from your house to the person in the casket, but if, if you didn't have a suit and they bought you one, put one, they didn't have pockets in it. And I thought that was a strange statement. Except, we need pockets for where you're going. I got it. That makes sense now. Be content. Be content. Don't strive after. In, in the last part of that, that section there in verse uh, 10. The love of money. It's not money's the root of all evil. It's the love of money. It's that striving. I've got to have it. 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 And you miss. You miss so many blessings when you do. Slow down. Slow down. Don't miss the blessing. And then pick it up at verse 11. Lastly, develop a strategy for success. But you, O man of God, flee these things. See, Paul's telling you as a leader, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and confessed the good confession and the presence of many witnesses. Urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things. And before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ appearing, which He will manifest in His own time. He who is blessed and the only potentate, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unimproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Don't be outsmarted by false teachers. Don't get sidetracked by trivial stuff. Don't neglect your priority in life. Always remember, there's room to grow. If I were to ask, my coaches this morning, what's the number one attribute you hope to instill in a player? It would be teachability. Be teachable. Never stop being teachable. Now I was excited last night to watch a preseason football game. I love football. I, that's no, no stranger to you for that one. Man, Kansas City Chiefs, I... Swallow hard when I watch them, but now I have a now I have a higher interest in watching the Kansas City Chiefs, mainly because my brother Aaron loves them, and I'm going to love them with him. But they they have uh, 
uh, at least temporarily, I guess, hired a young man named Darwin Thompson, number 25. Darwin Thompson is five foot eight. He's not the prototype NFL football player at a running back position, but he is faster than grease lightning, as they say. He's a fast, he's strong and determined. He scored his first NFL touchdown last night. Got to watch him on television. A little kid that I held hands with and prayed with and, and jinxed football. Oh, Darwin Thompson? They call it D-Train, isn't that what they call him? D-Train? Amazing little young man. I've invited I I sent him a message, a private message, and invited him to come speak to our church whenever he's in town. I don't know if he ever will, but... I sure invited him. Would that not be a hoot to see old D-Train come over to River Oaks and share with us? Because he believes that God's got him where he is today. But if he had not set his priorities right, he would have never gotten there. You and I want to get to heaven. Verse 11 tells us that we're a child of God. First thing you've got to know is that you've got to know God. He says you've got to flee things and pursue righteousness. Godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. And then in verse 12, he's got to say, he said you've got to keep hold of the call. You've got to fight the fight that He's called you to. It's not going to be easy to be a Christian in this day and age. You're going to be laughed at, made fun of, ridiculed, put down, marginalized, pushed aside, said you've of no value. You gotta stand anyway. Don't matter. Second Peter one ten says, Therefore, brethren, be even before be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things you'll never stumble. So if you stay walking with God, guess what? The rest doesn't matter. They can laugh at you. They can make fun of you. And you keep showing up. And you keep getting up. We all get knocked down. Don't stay down. You gotta get up, amen. You gotta get up. You can't stop. If Darwin had listened to what everybody told him he couldn't do, he'd never scored that touchdown last night. Darwin Thompson will be able to tell his children one day, I scored a touchdown in the NFL. And through the magic of multimedia, he could even show them. <laughs> In verse 13 and 14, the command of God, stand firm with Him, flee from the world, pursue the eternal, pursue, that means to go constantly after it, go, 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 don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't get up tomorrow and go, oh, man, I'm so tired, I don't, no, do it, do it. Spend that five minutes. God can take the five and make a day of it. Spend it. Pray it. Hold it. Endure it. Righteousness. Godliness. Faith. Love. Endurance. Gentleness. We read nine of them in in Galatians 5. Pursue those. Flee. Finish. Fight! Don't quit. 
Don't quit. Jesus was relentless. Jesus never quit. He never stopped. Gethsemane did not stop Him. He was ready. He set His priority. He focused on the priority. And He went and received and achieved. As you know, football is a favorite of mine. I read the story this week of a head coach who divorced his wife of 26 years when he left coaching a a college team to become head coach of a pro football team in the National Football League. He said he needed a wife while coaching on the college level for social functions and to show families that he would be looking out for their sons. But in pro football, she was unnecessary. She was a distraction to his winning. He said winning football was his number one priority now. His two sons second. Now I want you to contrast that with my favorite all-time coach. Arguably, I think, one of the best that's ever been. Tom Landry. Tom Landry coached the Dallas Cowboys. And he said this. The thrill of knowing Jesus is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I think God put me in a very special place. And He expects me to use it to His glory in everything I do. Whether coaching football or talking to the press. I'm always a Christian. Christ is first. Family second. And football third. I'm so glad I have two coaches that sit here on Sunday that believe that. I'm glad that I've got a church full of people who sit here and believe that. Because that's the way it is for you, isn't it? It's Christ first, job second, or family second, and job third. Amen. I don't know where you are with God today. I don't know what priorities you've gotten maybe out of whack. But boy, it would be a great day to get him back in line. And he's ready. If you're ready. We're going to have an invitation. We always do. Invite you to join the, the church. We invite you to join the Lord. We invite you just to respond to Christ if you need to. You can do it from where you are. But if you need to step forward and say something, we'd love to hear from you. But we want to give you an opportunity to do that. Phyllis is going to come and prepare to play. And I'm going to pray. And following that prayer... We're going to sing. And if God's tugging at your heart to respond today, would you today? Father, we just ask you to move among us. And we pray that you will uh, help us to rearrange our priorities. If we've gotten them out of whack, we do. They get out of whack all the time. And it's an easy thing to happen. Because, Father, the world distracts us. We have a lot of distractions. But I'm praying, Father, today we'll be focused, laser focused, on our relationship with you. If we are solid with you, then we need to humbly be grateful and thankful. If we're struggling, we need to recognize that you're waiting, open arms, hand extended, wanting to help us. 
And God, if there's someone that we know that is struggling, could we put them on our heart today and lift lift them to you so that that burden might be lifted? Oh God, whatever it is today that you need to do in the life of every person in this room, would you do it? Help us, Father, to not pursue dissension and factions and division with words. Help us to pursue godliness. Help us to not focus on material things, but to focus on you. Help us, Lord, in our, in our moments of despair to lift our eyes heavenward and to see you at the cross and to know at the cross it was all taken care of. No matter what it is, God, no matter what struggle we face, we want to lay it there. There's someone here today, God. Would you move in them? In your name we pray. Amen.